This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, this, this is, is, Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 279. We are the Fight Disciples. This one dedicated to the world of boxing. And if it's the first time you've ever come across us, you can subscribe via iTunes. Uh, just search out Fight Disciples. You can get all uh, Android feeds like Spotify and Google Plus and all that type of stuff on our website, fightdisciples.com. All our social medias are at Fight Disciples, apart from Instagram, where you need to go to at the Fight Disciples. Delighted to say... Uh, Nick's come round to my house again, and he hasn't gone for a dump, which is all... Listen, you're doing better, aren't you? I had three before 10 a.m. No, you haven't. You've not had three dumps this morning. Swear to God. Hand on heart, I've had three before 10 a.m. I think my body knows now to flush its system out before I come to Katie's throne. Mm. So I'm going to stay away from the white throne. But I do appreciate the new mug I've had today. Yep. New crockery at Catterall Towers. This didn't come out of an Easter egg, did it, lad? No. No. What's happened here? You're whining and dining me. Uh, the wife's kicked off because we do have those mismatched mugs. I think a lot of people um, have this. Um, where you've, I don't know, you've got a cup out of an Easter egg from years ago. I've got a mini eggs one. You've got yeah. a couple of jorky mugs. And, yeah, all that type of stuff. And that's what I use when guests come around. They can have a brew out of that. However, yesterday, oof, she spent a blooming few quid, let me tell you. Yeah, some, nice. of, some of that William Hill sponsorship money's just gone on the old crockery. <laughs> so we're looking well. We're looking, we're going, we're going big time, mate. We're going big time. How good's Friday night boxing, by the way? It's fucking brilliant. brilliant. I actually prefer you, it. See, you, were, you weren't mad on it last week. You were a bit like, oh, was it the card you weren't mad on? No, I weren't mad on like, the card. I'm not asked about this. Yeah, but how... I loved it. Yeah, but Friday night is better than Saturday night. 100%. 1 million percent. Do you know why? Because the wife's tired on a Friday night and she likes to go to bed early. <laughs> which means I'm fucking balls deep. In what? <laughs> what? She's asleep. That's like, that's kind of like necrophilia a little bit, isn't it? If, she, if she's not, if she's she corpus menace. She doesn't die when she goes to sleep. Yeah, but you know what I mean? She just led there and you're banging away. That's just ridiculous, mate. No, I was balls deep in the boxing, man. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Especially when there's, you know, <clears throat> it was kind of like a, it's kind of like Frank's version of an X-Gen card, isn't it? Do you know what yeah. I mean? You, yeah. You've got guys on there who, who, who there's, there's winners on there and there's losers on there, but there's a reason behind that. You know, Dubois on a journey, Anthony Yard's on a journey. We never expected their guys to to, to be able to, to, get push, to push them over anyway. And then you throw in a decent, you know, British title fight on there as well. That everything, man. I enjoyed it. You see, this is the thing that we I get quite a lot when whenever we talk about Anthony Yard. People get on our social media and they go, I want to see him fight someone decent. I want to see him fight someone half, half good. I'm cool with Anthony Yard just doing this slowly, slowly thing. More than cool. Yeah, all right. There's other fighters that I'll have a bit of a slag off if they're fighting tin cans. But this lad's had 11 amateur fights. And what's he now? 13 pro fights, 14 pro fights, uh, something like that. 17, I think. But Is it? Yeah, but still. He's still under 30 actual fights. Yes. Amateur and pro. Yeah. I'm cool with him being slowly, slowly. Now, listen. All this talk about him being number one with the WBO and the possibility of it being mandated... For Kovalev, there's other things that could come into this where Ramirez may be stepping up and all that type of stuff. But if that does happen, I personally think next, that's too soon for him. I really do. I would like him to maybe just have one, maybe even two more, but at European level. I think he's, I think domestically now, I think he's looking well. At the weekend, I thought he showed real signs of learning. He took a couple of digs, didn't he? Yeah. I thought he worked the body well. I thought he worked behind his jab well. And I thought his, his left hook's an absolute peach. I thought he looked really good. And obviously he ended up getting the job done. Fair play to him. But I just think maybe now we, we mustn't neglect that European step up. I know it says that he's, European champion and all that type of stuff, but I don't give a fuck about half of these belts that no. get commissioned, mate. Definitely. Someone like that German, Dominic Boesel, he's a nice little uh, 
test. There's, there's a Swede out there, uh, yeah. phone link, something like that. Mm-hmm. Eco, a nice little test. Because we need to see. Don't get into Kovalev too quick. No. Don't rush it. No. I know there'll be people screaming at us. Yeah, but fans-wise now, they'll be going, yeah, but he's only fighting tin cans. Let's get in there. No, no, no. Don't judge him by others that have been to the Olympics and got these fantastic amateur pedigrees. I think they're doing a great job with him. Yeah. And you know what? It's 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 the route that Frank's most used to as well. I think we've kind of been that's traditional Frank, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because we listen, we've been spoiled right now because boxing is booming, and you know we've we've because the amateur game has evolved so much, and GB amateurs have, have, have evolved so much, competing on the um, that WSB and all this kind of stuff, and the three rounds, no head guards. They're pretty much pros before they're even pros. You know, they're on great money and everything else. So. Seeing the likes of Anthony Fowler and Buatzi and people like that getting rushed through, that kind of makes sense because they've been pros for fucking five, six years anyway. Mm. Really. Um, but this is the way Yard's getting handled is the same way that Frank handled Ricky Hatton and the same way that he handled Joe Calzaghe. This is the way it was done. You know, Joe Calzaghe had 15 fights before he fought for the British title. Set, at the same point, 17 fights in, he was still only British champion, and he'd only had, I think, one fight, one or two fights for the British title. Mm. Joe Calzaghe was brought on in the very same way. The guys who would be beaten after 17 fights were anything but household names. So the, the market's changed in, the, in regards that domestically, okay, Anthony Yard isn't the best in Britain right now. I don't believe he is. No, There's I better don't. guys out there. However... When Joe Talzaghi came through, there was an opportunity there. There wasn't as many fighters. There wasn't as much depth in talents. Obviously, above them were the likes of plus Nigel Benn and Steve Collins and Eubank. Yeah. They were all doing their thing, but at a world level. So domestically, it was he was able to step up to British title level, whereas Yards, it, it, the, the climate's changed. However, this and WBU international route has allowed Frank to give him that breeding ground. Listen, if the WBU was still around, like it was with Shane Neary and Colin yeah. Dunn and, and Ricky Hatton, who yeah. all were WBU champions and sat on their you know, very fringe world title belts for a long time. Then you guarantee if that was still around, he would be WBU world champion right now and he'd be paraded around. Mm. You know, I'm surprised he hasn't fought for the IBO belt. Who the fuck's got that? You know, that's that's kind of where Yard is. But that's not a bad thing because, as you say, he needs to develop. He just Plus, needs it's, time. it's a different world now. Exactly what you were just saying there regarding it being a different world in boxing. It's also a different world societal as well. People, We've got social media now. When Ricky Atten and Joe Calzaghe and all those boys were coming through, a lot of fight fans didn't necessarily know about what else was going on in the world no. unless you bought your boxing news magazine or you bought your ring magazine and you yeah. read up and you and you really searched it out. You didn't have YouTube to be flicking about and doing all that type of thing. Whereas now Yard, we have fighting on our TV screens every single week, don't we? Yeah. So therefore, everybody knows what's going on in that light heavyweight division. Yeah. Everybody sees these guys and they just think automatically, well, why is he not fighting him? Because he ain't ready for him yet. Yeah. We just need we just need to just take take it easy with someone like an Anthony Yard because I think if you rush him too quick he could get obliterated and yeah. it could end his career quite quickly. And you know what Dubois uh, Dubois the same hundred percent he is. Dubois got the same kind of potential. I'd say he's probably even more potential than Anthony Yard, but the thing with Dubois is he's a baby. He's literally a bit. He's like 20, 20, 21 years of age, something like that. Yeah. He's a baby in this heavyweight division. Like an L. Lennox Lewis wasn't at his peak till he was in his late thirties. So, Dubois got ten years before he's anywhere near his peak. So he needs to be brought along slowly. And it's difficult when he's picking up these, you know, albeit WBO European belt, whatever it's called. But that's the demand. It's it's kind of Frank's trying to appease the fans by going, okay, I'm setting him up to title level. This is a twelve rounder now. To appease people, but the problem is once they once he wins that belt and wins it in the fashion he did here, then people are obviously going, Okay, time for the next step. No, no, it's this is not football. It's not like fucking Wayne Rooney and if you're good enough, you're old, you know, if you're old enough. Boxing's not like that. Certainly the heavyweight division's not like that. And we just need to be a little bit patient with them. I'm cool with what's happening with both Yard and Dubois right yeah. now. I'm excited for what come in the future. I think by the end of this year. Yard will be knocking on the door for a version of the world title. And I think he probably will get a world title shot sometime in 2020. I said that at the start of the year. I don't think anything will change now. For now, let's just enjoy him for what he is. Yeah. He's, he's learning in front of our eyes. And with that, that's the key thing. They are showing stuff in every single fight, both of these lads, that they are learning. They're trying stuff in the gym. For example, Dubois at the weekend. I think that was his best performance. Yeah, obviously, too. it's the biggest name that he's fought. And yeah. obviously, it's a fantastic... Uh, victory to get uh, get hold of, especially when Gorman's gone the distance with that particular fighter and that fight has gone the distance with the likes of Parker and what have you. So you think to yourself, what was he doing in that fight that you haven't seen previously? Working the body, working yeah. behind his jab, and then when he sniffed blood, he took the kid out. And you yeah. think to yourself, what more can he do at 21 years of age to be doing stuff like that? I think it'll be slightly quicker than uh, 10 years from now, but mm-hmm. I think... 
let's have at least two years of just enjoying what this kid's all about before yeah. we're throwing him in with a proper heavyweight. Because again, it could it could come to an abrupt end. For me, it doesn't even make sense to make the Gorman fight. I know they're both. I know Gorman's desperate for it because he's desperate for a name. Just because Dubois well, the big, is getting a bit yeah, more attention than yeah, he exactly. is. Dubois has the bigger name. Of course, he wants it. But I. I I don't think it needs to be made. I just think it's, there's no time for it. But then it's funny because look at the two look at the two plans then of, of operation. You know, Frank is is more old school. He's more about keeping these prospects apart, letting them go in their own directions, and then hopefully bringing them together three years down the line. And yet on March the thirtieth, Eddie's doing the exact opposite. He's yeah. going to Fitzgerald and Fowler. Right, get in there. Now there's two reasons behind that. One. Both those guys are GB Olympians. Both those guys have, have, have got experience in a very busy decision, in a division. But I also think there's an element of matching. I've got a fucking big stable. And I don't know, in, t- in the case of Dubois and Gorman, Frank is very much in the middle going, you'll fucking fight when I want you to fight. Whereas I think Eddie's got such a strong stable. He's got so many fighters on fucking pretty much every continent these days that I think he's kind of gone to foul that and Fitzgerald. You guys are fighting in March the 30th, mm. whether you like it or not. Well, I think it's because he is spreading himself thin, mate. He's going, I mean, look at the weekend. Callum Johnson, who you, you would think would be one of those guys maybe to fit the the gap that has been left by the likes of Bellew retiring, DeGale mm-hmm. retiring, all those types of guys. We're looking for superstars in the UK, aren't we? Jordan yeah. Gill's probably one of those names that would come through to maybe be the guy that would be headlining the UK version of matchroom shows. Yeah, Callum Johnson's most certainly that guy, mm-hmm. but... He's taking him over to America. So I think because of Eddie's concentration in America with Matchroom USA, yeah. he's looking around thinking, who the fuck am I going to put at the top of the bill here? Who have I got here to, to really get the juices going? So to bring Fowler and Fitzgerald, I know it's not top of the bill, but let's be honest, it's the fight of the night. Yeah, I think that's the reason why he's doing it, because he's thinking, I ain't got anything, because I'm, 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 I'm sticking them all in America because of the pressure that DeZona putting on him. Yeah. And plus, people want to fight in America. You know, of course they do. America, of course they do. Money there now. But what about us as British fight fans? We're been, not getting it. But there's been a seismic shift. I know that we were talking about this on last week's podcast. There's been a seismic shift in terms of the money now. It was all about the UK last year, the year before. Now, in the US, there's that much money getting pumped into the sport because ESPN are, are getting heavily into boxing again. Because mm. the zone are fucking shaking their big dick at everybody. You know, but everyone's getting involved in boxing and there's so much money out there. So when Callum Johnson fights... Baterbia for the world title and gets headliner type money. And then you say to him, okay, well, do you want to go and fight? Do you want to fight in Liverpool on the beefy Liam Smith undercard and, you know, have a rebuilding job? Fight someone like Anthony Yards for here for X amount? Or do you want to go on Bivol's undercard in America and probably get five times the money against a decent contender or, 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 or you know, a fringe contender, a good club level fighter? It's a no brainer because Callum Johnson doesn't want to. Callum Johnson doesn't want to come stick, take a step back to where Anthony Yard is. Callum Johnson wants to bang on the door to fight. Yeah. Bivol now, he wants to be there to go, okay, I want the winner of the fight, the, the tonight's fight between Bivol. So I, I kind of get it, but the, the two business plans are so different now. They're so different. And I just think Eddie has got to deliver. He's got so much money and so much commitments with Sky and with the zone and that he's got to deliver big fights and he needs headliners. And I think that's the other reason why, I, I'll be honest, I think Fitzgerald's been pushed into this fight a little bit with Fowler. He needs... F- Matchroom want Fowler to light up Fitzgerald. 100%. I don't care what you say. They want him to light up Fitzgerald. So then next time... Because Beefy Smith's going to fight here and hopefully he's going to... They're trying to make Fowler a headline guy. Exactly. So they can get Beefy back to America to fight for a world title, to win a world title belt in America, appease the zone. He's a, he's a legit contender. He's just had a win over a former European champion. What they're desperate for now is a domestic level guy who they can put into Mate, the headline spot. And, this is why, and that's Fowler. This is why they put Ted Cheeseman in that fight. They needed, they they needed, needed Cheeseman to win, but yeah. then he got lit up. Yeah. So now they don't have that guy to be able to headline these these cards. And so I, isn't Buatti headline the next one at the Copper Box? Is, is that headliner against Convoy? I don't know if he's headlining it, but yeah, 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 it might be. Yeah, yeah, you might be right Again, there. Again, they need Buatti to be the headliner for London. They need Fowler to be the headliner in Liverpool. Yeah, you're right. They need these headlining stars. Crawler goes to America, fights Lomachenko. He probably retires off the back of that. Bearing a, bearing a, you know, a, some kind of fucking lottery-style performance. He probably retires after he Even if he does get a lottery-style winning performance, I think he retires. He just think, thanks, lads. There's the mic drop. See you in a bit. I want to see Loma. Crawler rock Loma too at main Manchester. Mm. If he wins, he fucking fights again in Manchester, let's be honest. Crawler does not walk away. But you you know what I mean? The the demand over there with the money now, anyone that's at world title level in this country, certainly anyone that's with Matchroom as well, in fact, with Frank as well, 
they're going to America. That's where the money is again now. America is where the money is in boxing. The world title is going to be there. Mm. We, we're now in a transitional period in this country for our next level of headliners, the Fowlers, the Boatis, people like that. The, the Ritzens needs to bounce back. Josh Kelly now will probably be pushed into a big fight quick so he can sell out the Northeast and all that. They need them and... We're in that period, I think. We'll, we'll pick this up again in a moment or two regarding Dazon. Uh, I just want to go back to, obviously, Friday night, Liam Williams. Yes. Looking good at middleweight. Stop talking about coming back down to 154, in my opinion, mate. Stay up middleweight. I think he's looked brilliant. Obviously, in the Heffern fight, he looks at tremendous at the weekend. Diabolical refereeing. The kid <laughs> face-planted. He went down as if you've sent him back out there. Listen, Liam Williams had to do that. He yeah. had to go and take him out with that killer punch. Um, but I thought that was diabolical uh, refereeing before the stoppage. Yeah, poor Bob Williams. Well, I say poor Bob. It was just it was a shocking performance. Mate, he face planted. You could see it. You could see it was happening. You could see it was happening at home. Like I don't understand why the referee couldn't see what everybody person at home. As soon as he called him back in, I was like, "What are you doing? Yeah. Please do not let this happen." Kid could have could have ended his career right mm. there. And Liam Williams is just doing his job. That's Liam Williams' job is to get him the fuck out of there as quickly as possible. Mm. But. Horrific, defi- horrific defi- decision, and um, you know th- these are the type of things that the board of control should come out and go. Okay, we're going to have a word there. We're going to have a bit of an investigation as to what led him to allow, allow him to go that back fight out. to continue. Because mm. everyone could see there's no way he should have continued. Mm. That was Friday night. I actually enjoyed the whole card. I thought it was really, yeah, really that good. Johnny Gorton, Chris Jenkins, in fact, was a fucking belter. How good was Chris? Jenkins? I know, mate. Didn't see that coming. Great. Well, I think on paper it, you always knew it was going to be a barnstormer. Loads of local rivalry back at Royal Albert Hall. You know, you look down the card and you were like, you'd always fancied Williams. Obviously, you fancied Yard and Dubois, and you were like, where's the ma- where's the yeah, attraction? That's the best. Here? Yeah, that's the and one. that was the attraction because you knew the two of them were going to go at it. But I think after his performance winning the title, I think Garton, we all expected Garton to just have that little bit too much. But hey, that's what opportunity is all about, isn't it? And Chris mm. Jenkins took it with both hands. Mm, thought it was top. Then on Saturday night, or in the early hours of Sunday morning, obviously we had the card. Uh, over at uh, Turning Stone. Before we talk about more needing a wank to uh, to make weight, we'll get to that in a moment or two. Callum Johnson. I'm just going to clear something up regarding Callum Johnson. I know we've just been speaking about him a couple of moments ago. There's lots of debate regarding light heavyweights. We'll get to the world scene in a moment, but for me, it is not even a debate. Right now, at this moment in time, Callum Johnson is the best light heavyweight in Britain. Yeah, absolutely. We've been speaking about Yard. We yeah. speak about Boazzi. We speak about Jose Burton and all these others. He's the best that yep. Britain has at this moment in time. And I thought he was absolutely sensational against Shawnee Monaghan. Shawnee Monaghan's no mug. Nope. He's a proper fighter. And we, going into the fight, if you listen to last week's podcast, said this is a proper knock. This is a great comeback mm-hmm. fight after Baturbiev. It's a real test. Man, did he take care of business. I thought he was absolutely sensational the way that he was setting stuff up with his jab. His jab's really low, isn't it? He throws it from the hip. It's brilliant. He throws it from the hip, and yeah. he throws it in all different ways. So he'll go, he'll go stomach, he'll go chest, he'll go head, he'll he'll not just necessarily go straight. He'll come around the side sometimes. Yeah. But fucking hell, he can hit, can't he? When he sniffs blood, he takes you out. He was brilliant, and you could see what the experience of fighting Batavia the last time out has done for him, because he was just so comfortable in his environment. You know, on paper this was a tough fight, but in reality. Monaghan looked fucking about 10 levels below. Yeah. His jab was slow. His movement was ponderous. But on paper, it shouldn't have been like that. No. On paper, this should have been a real knock. And that I think that's testament. Rather than Monaghan saying, ah, Monaghan didn't turn up, I'd, I'd rather say the opposite. I think Callum Johnson turned up in spades. Yeah. He turned up with the bit between his teeth to go, listen, I took the Batavia fight because it opens doors for me. I'm now not prepared to allow those doors to be closed. I knew it was go- I was up against it. I knew I was going to be experiencing something that I'd never experienced before. And I've got the whole thing of my yeah. dad not being there. And I've come through that, the emotional rollercoaster. Going straight from British to world. Exactly. Just suddenly that massive jump up. And he just refused, refused to come back down domestically. Refused to let Monaghan, again, who I thought was less than what he is on paper. He refused to be pulled down to that level. Yeah. He got in there and was like, I'm fucking world class and you better be world class to live with me. And Monaghan wasn't ready to be world class and he just systematically destroyed him. Fantastic performance. How the fuck the referee let him come out for that third round? Third round. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have called it. At the end finished. of the second, he battered him. I, I don't know why the corner didn't pull him out because there was, I seen nothing from Monaghan with a thought he can turn this around. There's nothing at all. I didn't see him land a single shot or sharp enough. By the end of the second round, he was done. He was finished. He had nothing left. Yeah, I agree. And I'm surprised he didn't get pulled out. But you know what? 
for me, that was one of the best performances by a Brit overseas for a while. Yeah. That I've seen for a Probably while. Probably since Billy Joe, man. Yeah, I'm telling you. I, I thought it was sensational. And it was the ultimate statement before the main event, obviously, featuring Bivol, which for me kind of didn't deliver. It's you boring. Know? It was Listen, boring. I'm, I'm not going to. Bivol is brilliant. His footwork is outstanding. Go back and watch this fight, right? I've watched it twice now. I was watching this morning just before you rocked up because I wanted to just get my head around how he goes about getting in and out of distance so brilliantly. He's constantly, his back foot is constantly on the ball of his foot. He's mm. constantly moving it and move. He, just the way that he masters distance is a sight to behold, but it's only there really for the purist. Yeah. The purist will see that and go, fucking hell, this is amazing. Yeah. His counter-punching, the way that he goes about his business is absolutely tremendous. But from a fan, if you're a casual fan or you're a football fan coming to watch the boxing, you'll watch him, you'll go, what were all that about? Yeah. Fucking boring. And it is boring. The thing that I have noticed in the last couple of fights with Bivol, he likes it at his own pace and he likes it on the outside. He doesn't like it on the inside. He doesn't fight on the inside at all. No. If you're a Callum Johnson... 100%. And you're looking at that, you think to yourself... Get me in there. I can get inside that jab. Get me out of the And if he got inside that jab, I think he smashes him to bits. Yeah. I just think Bivol at the moment, he's as much going on reputation as anything else. Like everyone's threatened by him because of his reputation, because of his record. But, you know, this performance proved that. I don't know whether he's questioning himself, but he doesn't seem to have that killer instinct. He doesn't seem to the, have that. He threw a bit at the end, didn't he? Right at the end, he was like putting it on him at the end of the 12th. But I thought to myself, come on, too son. A little too late, mate. You top fires, yeah. top fires, take him out. Exactly. You should have done this six, seven rounds ago when he, when you had him rocking. You should have you should have pounced on him mm. to try and make a bit of a statement. I think that was the best thing about, in terms of Callum Johnson's performance, ultimately, because it was like, mate, you stole a show. Mm. That was all about you. Everyone the next morning was talking about Callum Johnson and what Callum Johnson done. And I hope it was the same over in America as well because mm. he was the one that made a statement. Now there's no question that other than the world champions in this weight class, the biggest threat to them all is Callum Johnson. And I hope that Callum Johnson gets the fight with Dimitri, with, with Bivol now because well, the problem Bivol's, Bivol's kind of... He's the, he, he's gone from being him and Baterbiev have gone from being for me that at the very monsters, top. Monsters, yeah. Yeah, to being like, okay, well, he's not quite the monster I thought he was. Yes, yeah, Sam. That's at exactly all. where I'm at. I, I look at that light heavyweight division now, and if you look across all the champions, you, they're probably going to do the Bivol Brown fight, aren't they? Because one's super, one's regular champion in that WBA, yeah. so they'll probably Keep amalgamate those belts, right? Hope so. But you look at Bivol, you look at Baterbiev. I actually think out of the four champions, Gavodic's done what the, the main man, yeah. the WBC champion, the guy that knocks about with Lomachenko and Usyk. I think he's the boy. Mm -hmm. And then I look at Baterbiev and Bivol and Kovalev. And I think, well, Callum Johnson's been in with Baterbiev and he got involved in a gun show. Yeah, I think Baterbiev's, for me, Baterbiev's the number one at the moment. Well, I would put him two. I'd, I'd put him at one and the other guy at two, yeah. And then I'd look at Bivol and Kovalev and depending on how much Kovalev's got left, Bivol's the fourth best there. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. That's what that's the way I'm looking at it right now. Don't, don't get me wrong, they're all top class. Yeah, of course. Light heavyweights at this I moment in time. Kovlev at number four, how mad's that? Even though he's three the or four. Jordan yeah, three or four. Like, that's where yeah. I've got him right now. They're, they're because the only, only because of how much has he got left? Was the last one, you know what I mean, a little bit of an Indian summer or what? Yeah. I don't know. But if I'm like I say, if I'm Callum Johnson, I'm licking my lips there, mate, because I've I've gone in with Baterbiev. Yeah. And I'm I've nearly you know, I've gone in a gun show and he's just caught me. I caught him, but he caught me a little bit harder. That's it. Gavodic, listen, I think he's mustard. But I look at Kovalev and Bivol, and I think, yeah, I'll have a go. I'll have a go at that. Yeah. I'll have oh, a go at those Callum two. Johnson with any of them all day, every week. But the, what do you think of Callum Johnson as well, saying afterwards, I'll take any title fight, super middle or light heavy? Super middle? Yeah, that surprised me when he said that, because I was like, whoa, okay. Hmm. Because he weighed 173 here, but apparently did it standing on his head. So to be able to move down to 168, it's only five pounds. He's obviously, he's, to put it out there like that obviously means that he's, you know... He's comfortable he's and comfortable confident to do it. moving down to super middleweight. So that could open potentially some doors, but obviously there's talk of a stablemate, Callum Smith, potentially moving up mm. to this weight division as well. So I think he's on the cusp of something good there, mate. That performance at the weekend in the States, people, I hope that people are talking about it over there. Yeah. And you would look at, you'd look at Bivol, you know, Bivol against Brown would probably happen next. I reckon by the back end, back end of the year, what does Eddie do? He's the both Eddie fighters. What does Eddie do? Who does he go and put him in with? Does he go and risk him with Gavodic Bivol? I don't know. Because he's a bull. He'll come in and he'll do the he'll do the business on the inside. And then what do you do? Do you lose your belt to someone that's not connected to your stable? Or do you stick him in with Callum Johnson? Yeah. I would hope that Eddie's going, go on then. 
you to have a knock. Yeah, and it's an easy sell now. You know, that's that's been on obviously that show was on the zone in the US. So like us, and watching at home, I'm sure Americans, as I say, come away going, Callum Johnson's the guy, give him the shot. Mm. Had he gone through ten rounds or whatever, but he just t- systematically took the guy out of there. Mm. He deserves it. Mm. So I I'm listen, I'm sure Callum Johnson will get his world title fight later this year. Um and to I, I'd put him in with any of them. Literally any of them. What do you what do you make of more hookers weekend? Fucking hell. <laughs> I, I can't believe he was five pounds over at well, the two, Jeff Wayne. Yeah, t- yeah, two hours before he was five pounds over. Five. The thing is, I think them scales were light, you know. Because when he weighed in, he's what, 0. 0.5 over. Mm-hmm. And if you, you've just mentioned there, Callum weighed in at 173, Bivol weighed in at 173, as did fucking Joe Smith. Joe Smith. Are you telling me they're all two pounds, two pounds under their under. fucking weight? No, yeah. I'm not having that, mate. I'm just no. not having it. I reckon the scale were a bit light. So therefore, I think Moe was actually heavier than it portrayed him to be when he weighed in. Maybe so. So you don't think he even made weight? No. Not in, re- not in real life, I don't think he did, no. Yeah. To be five pounds four over times. two hours before. He's had four goals at it, mate. I know, he yeah. said he's been for a shit, a piss. He's 100% emptied his nuts somewhere, hasn't he? You know what I mean? With, <laughs> that's, them, with that sack. It's Mo, isn't it? <laughs> Just throws it about. Throw that jizz around. Okay, now I wouldn't like to be sat on bog after him. You're pregnant now, that's mate. You, yeah. It was, listen, the performance, that's why I didn't put him my, in my bet. You know, I had Bivol, uh, Callum Johnson, and I did Sean Porter as me treble. I stayed away from Mo just because of the weight issue because I was like, what's going on? Because mm. when you look at Mo, you think, how the fuck does he make that weight class anyway? Because he's so big. How the hell does he make 140 pounds? Got no idea. It's just crazy. But so you, inevitably he will move up. And that's why I was thinking five pounds over, you've fucking crashed like crazy. There's two ways this fight's going to go. Either you're going to blow the kid away or... You're going to fucking drag it run out, out of gas, on yeah. points distance and potentially run out of gas, which is why I stayed away. But obviously watching the fight, again, it was it, it was a little bit like the Callum Johnson fight. It was all about levels. You know, you're looking at this uh, Les Pierre, you're thinking, you know, on paper, your, your record stands up as a legit contender. But in reality, you, you're three levels below Mo Hooker. Mm. I, I'm a huge fan of Mo Hooker, obviously, because of the show. And I think because this fighting style is so fucking attractive because he's so tall and long and gangly with them long pistons great body puncher i think he's brilliant and i think he's potentially one of the best in the division but they need to sort this shit out because five pounds over you can't cheat the scales twice do you know what i mean Mm. okay they've probably been favorable here in fucking in new york but if that had happened in the uk to fight Jack Cattrall, for instance, the, the British Boxing Board of Control ain't going to put no light scales out there. You better make weight. And Can Jack cause a bother? Be Listen, if I'm Jack Cattrall, I'm thinking, fucking just let me at him. Cause, because the thing with Mo is, since he came over here and won the, and, and won the vacant title against Turbo Terry, I don't think he's really had a big test. No. I don't think he's had the type of opponent where you go like, oh, yeah. Poten- as I say, potentially could be the best in the division. Is he beating the best in the division to actually prove that? No, he isn't. There's guys, you know, again, this Les Pierre, the guys he's fighting are guys who are ranked by the WBO rather than being highly ranked by everyone's individual pound-for-pound rankings for this weight division. So Mm. I think Jack's a true test for him, and I think Jack will be licking his lips at ringside. And again, as you said earlier, signed to the same promoter, easy with the zone. It's an easy sell. That's why Jack was ringside. That's why they talked about it. Hopefully this fight happens next. Mm. What did you make of the Sean Porter fight? Um, did he win or did he lose? Well, again, fucking make him wait. Like the whole weight issue, getting his hair cut and all that. <laughs> what the fuck is I wish that I had that much hair to be able to get rid of it, mate, to uh, to make the weight. But did you see the way his corner team were like celebrating? Mate. The way he made weight. When you well? celebrate weight like that, Jesus. then you know you've got a problem. That, that's when you know that the last 12 hours in that camp has been by far worse than the 12 rounds that happened in the ring mm. because to, to see the corner team celebrate like that means one thing that fight has been to hell and back to make that weight division and that's not good not no. when you're not when you're at the age sean porter is not when you're at the level of experience he is if he's killing himself like that to make weight then well he, you know he almost lost his title didn't he i i to be honest I had no dispute either way. When it got to the end, I was like, if you guys get it, I can see it. It, was kind of, it reminded me of that fight last week. I wasn't... I didn't suddenly think Porter had won. I didn't necessarily think Uganis had won. I got to the end. I was it's like, funny, isn't it? Right? Kill me if this was a draw. So if you, if you yeah, well, if, if nobody's seen it, one judge saw it 116, 112 to Porter. One judge has seen it 117, 111 to Uganis. And then you've got 115, 113 uh, back towards Porter. 
So it is a case of what type of style you like? do you like? Do you like a bit of pot shotting or do you like a little bit of rough them up on the inside? And I, a little bit I don't of... like this new Sean Porter. I don't. I've got to be honest. I think he's fucking boring. Mm. This is not the Sean Porter of all. Like, he looks like a different fighter. Now, whether that's age, whether that's because they did fuck up the weight cut, so they were like, you ain't got it in the tank to be Sean Porter. So you're going to have to try and outbox this kid. Mm. But trying to outbox a Cuban is always risky because, you know, I know Porter got to the end and was like, you know, I played to tactics and we won the fight to show something that we can do something out. No, you didn't. That fight could have gone either way. That was on a fucking knife edge. Mm. You're lucky. In a lot of ways, he's lucky to keep hold of his world title belt. And you got you guys has got you know should be really disappointed that he never got the decision. However, th- does this show Porter do anything against the rest of the guys in this welterweight division? Now he just looks like a marked man. Now he looks like the oh, first mate. decent welterweight to get him is just going to obliterate him. If I'm Thurman, I'm sad. I know Thurman's trying to chase this Pacquiao fight, like, but if I'm Thurman, I'm thinking, I'll, I'll go and get my belt back. Yeah, no problem. Go and get on that. Yeah, no problem at all. Mm. So, and again, it might just be because the weight cut was, was wrong, that he just looked a shadow of his former self. But, you know... Mighty Mo didn't miss weight, but the, uh, Mighty Mo struggled with his weight, but didn't really miss a beat, mm. you know. But in this fight, Porter just—he just didn't look like Sean Porter. Mm. Um, we are going to talk about fights coming up this weekend because we've got an absolute screamer between uh, Spence Junior and uh, Mikey Garcia. But first of all, let's talk about the business of uh, of boxing this week. The zone of spending money like it's on trees. It's going out of fashion, lads. Who wants some? Who wants to come and sign for us? Woo! Triple G, come and join the party, mate. Canelo, we've already got Canelo. Joshua, you're here as well. Should we go get Wilder? Woohoo! Where's it from? Well, where's all this money from? They right. I've done a bit of research actually off the back of this. Me too. I was like thinking, who the fuck owns the zone? Well, Perform Group, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've had a little bit of nosy into Perform Group. These guys are Brewster, right? <laughs> <laughs> they don't give a fuck, do they? They've got pockets deeper than a wizard's sleeve, mate. They are absolutely coining it in. They've got God knows how many territories all over the world, but not only that, they've got major sporting rights. For example, Premier League all across the world by yep. the UK. Yep. They've got, they spent $3 billion, right, on acquiring the J League in Japan, baseball, which is fucking mega, mega dog. Mega, mega door. Where did he show that? In it, Japan. Well, obviously, but did he show it anywhere outside of Japan? Yeah, it's on all the... Every zone territory, it's on there. Oh, you can watch it like in Austria. Because I know this... Didn't they, didn't they launch in Austria and Germany and then they're now in... So everything that they've the got... U, excuse ev- me, now in the USA. They've just launched... They're about to launch in Spain. Hmm. They've got a lot of... Te- we, we don't get it here in the UK, but they're slowly... They're like a fucking infestation, aren't they? They're slowly growing around the world, which is why we talked about previously... If you're Adam Smith and the guys at Sky Sports... No, I'll be shitting my pants. You've got to be looking over your shoulder thinking, we're next. Yeah. Because they're in Canada, they're in America, they're in... The problem is, is in the UK, the football rights yeah. are fucking astronomical. And even the rights for the boxing are astronomical. So at this moment in time, it's just a case of building that that business model. The United States is where they're at at this moment in time in order to, to, to grow what they're doing. Now, the way that it works is obviously it's a Netflix type thing. So it's a sub- subscription. Yeah. People in the States are paying $10 a month, right? Have they got major numbers at this moment in time? Have they got Netflix numbers? No, they haven't got Netflix numbers, right? Even if they got Netflix numbers, if they did the same amount of subscriptions that Netflix do at this moment in time, they'd probably gross about $1.5 billion every single month, right? Which is absolutely astronomical cash, but they're nowhere near it at this moment in time. I don't think they give a fuck about subscriptions at this moment. I really don't. Just the way that they're going about their business, they don't give a shit. They're just signing all the very signing all the top names they're attempting to sign all the top names and therefore from a fan's point of view if you're a fan in the states you're paying ton i pay ten dollars a month i'm getting all golovkin's fights i'm getting all canelo's fights i'm getting all joshua's fights i get all matchrooms other cards as well mm-hmm. i get the world boxing super series if that's still going yeah i like a bit of mma so i get a bit of bellator too golden boy i oh. get all golden boy stuff as well yeah it's all right that <laughs> For $10. And they're about to sign Wilder. And they're about to sign... Well, they're attempting to sign Wilder as well. Now, bear in mind, the Golovkin deal, the Canelo deal, and the Wilder deal are all direct with the zone. It's yeah. nothing to do with Eddie. No, it However, isn't. it helps Eddie. Of be- course. Because if those those people are on the platform, that then brings eyes to Eddie's stuff as well, whether it be Joshua exactly. or whether it be Matchroom I think USA. that's why Matchroom got a bit of stick this week, didn't he? Because I think Frank Smith from Matchroom had posted something out saying, welcome to the zone, Triple G... And people are like, what the fuck's it got to do with you? He's not, he's not signed with matching. But people don't realise that because he's on the same network, 
it Making helps them. fights now with fucking, you know, the mid- leading middleweights on Matchroom is easy because mm. they're all on the same network. So you're just like, it's just a phone call to the Golovkin, Golovkin's people. Now it's a piece of piss. So from, from the outside looking in, you go, yeah, it's a fucking no-brainer. If it was a standalone a business, no-brainer. if this was a, if this was just a zone, mm-hmm. right? This business model lasts, what, 18 months? If that. <laughs> and then it yeah, fucking yeah. blows up. Of course. But it isn't. The pots, the Robin Peter, the Pay Paul, mate, they've got so much dough at this moment in time, it don't give a shit. Of course, there will be there'll, there'll be stipulations at some point where they go, right, lads, we've got to make a few quid now. We've got to do yeah. X, Y, and Z, and we've got to hit these type of numbers. Of course. But if Canelo and Jacobs do the business for them on, on May the 4th, now, don't get me wrong, I think you get a month free, don't you? So you sign up, you get a month free, and you can fucking bin it off. But if they have an absolute cracker, you've got in that period as well, Joshua's fight against Jarrell Miller. There's a couple yeah. of others that they've got on there too. And then they make Gennady Golovkin Canelo. People are going to come back and sign for that because he's the yeah. biggest star on the planet, Canelo. Yeah. The problem is, is do they stay? You know what I mean? Do they stay? You, you've got to, you've got to keep that level of, of opponent for Canelo, for Golovkin, for Anthony Joshua in order to keep that subscription, those subscription numbers going. But again, that we're just talking from the business side of, of boxing right now. That doesn't matter to us. No. We're fans. We're paying ten dollars, mate. Give us the fight, sweet as it not. Exactly. So even if they deliver one pay-per-view style fight a month. Yeah, but it's not pay-per-view. It's no, $10. That's what I mean. All right, yeah. So if you're in America now and you're, you're used to paying $100 for a Canelo fight. Yeah. You know, that's your HD Canelo. You get all the boys around. You get the fucking chips and dips out, the Coronas out, everything. You're pay, used to paying $100. Now, the next Canelo fight, it's free because you get your free monthly subscription. Yeah. Next month, you've got whoever fighting. Make, let's say Triple G's fighting. Well, to keep your subscription going, it's only $10. Yeah, yeah. But not only that, you'll get Triple G and maybe Anthony Joshua in the same month but that's what it means. for $10. So go, I'm no longer paying $100. Now I'm paying $120 for the year. Yeah, yeah. And I'm getting Joshua, Canelo, Triple G. Wait a minute. All these I might get all, all them twice at least. I was paying $100 a pop for. All I do now is pay $120 and I get everything. Yeah. So straight away, you're saving fucking a fortune because you're paying one subscription fee. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the model will work as long as... When they first came out, I was like, this only works if they get everything. You can't just have Matchroom in America. You can't just have Matchroom on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why when they did the deal with Canelo, I was like, oh, okay, up. this is serious. And then now Triple G's been added to that roster, you think, fuck me. Because you're right. And now they're going after Wilder. What does that do for Tyson Fury? Because that kind of freezes him out of the game. It's it gone does. full circle, man. Know, yeah, it's, it's gone mental. <laughs> he signed it's a deal mad. with ESPN thinking, I'm the big boy now. I've got all the money here. No, you haven't. And then suddenly, if, if Wilder signs this week, then Wilder Joshua is now 100% a realistic possibility for this year. Whereas the rematch with Fury, or Fury being in, in, involved with either of them, is fucking way on the back burner now. That's Pretty much that's gone. Because the zone ain't gonna let their guys fight on ESPN, and likewise, ESPN yeah. are gonna let their flagship heavyweight fight on the zone. So it's mad, isn't it? It's mad at what a week can do in this sport. What well, all it takes is one deal to make you go, "Fucking hell, that's a game changer again, an absolute game changer." But the the zone thing, man, it's coming. Get ready for it. But then this is the way. But this is the thing from 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 us as British fight fans now, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the pressure that the zone are now gonna put on Eddie, for example in order for him to be bringing big matchroom cards. I mean, at the weekend was probably the first one where you think to yourself, that's actually quite decent, that. Bivol and God, yeah. Smith Jr. You've got Callum Johnson on there. You've got Mo Hooker, right? Okay, yes, yeah, that's quite decent. But then you look down here in the UK. This is no disrespect to these fighters, but our fights this year so far have been headlined by Ted Cheeseman, mm-hmm. Jordan Gill. We've got um, Liam Smith and Sam Eggington coming up, haven't we? You've just yeah. mentioned Boatsy. Conroy. Where's Joshua? Where's, you know, Amir Khan? Where's all these others that were yeah. that were headlining these cards last year? Does only putting pressure on these guys to be over in the States because they want it for the American market? Of course. I'm, I, I genuinely think that there's a, the ship is starting to sail from us getting the bit from us getting the big big fights here. Oh, I don't think it's starting to sail. I think it's fucking gone. I think Port's fucking way back in the horizon. So, for it's example, Wilder Joshua ain't coming to the UK. God no, it's not coming to Amer- it's not coming no. to England. It's going to America. The yes. only one that we've got a chance of, if it ever gets made, and they can't see it getting made, is uh, Joshua against Fury. Yeah, and that'll be like a, a four AM job. 
at Wembley Stadium or something like that, again, to appease the American audience because now ESPN and the zone are tied in. The, the days of us having stadium fights, the days of us having fucking major world title fights and major world champions over here, that's gone now. Forget about it. It's over. The golden period is over. Now, to see big world title fights, to see the biggest stars, we've got to go to America because the American audience has woken up. The zone money and the ESPN injection and everything else mm. has changed the sport again. The sport has now changed. It's not about the UK no more. Now, we're, our best fighters are going over there. And why? Because Callum Johnson's just got three times the money, I guarantee, than what he would have got for fighting at the Echo Arena. Mm. So what do you want him to do? Of course w- he's going to go there. Of course. And that's why Dillian White's having conversations, serious conversations with ESPN and Top Rank, yeah. you know, in order because to go and make that signing. For that exa- and it, you know what? If, if Wilder signs with the zone, then that would be the best thing for Dillian to do. Because that means Dillian will probably fight Tyson Fury. Mm. The only thing they haven't got with Tyson Fury is a belt. Mm. That's the problem. They need a world title belt wrapped around his waist. Which is why I think someone like a Manuel Char or something like that should be high on their agenda to get something around Tyson's waist because there's only f- so far you can pedal this. L- he's the lineal champion thing. I'm in it. I, I, I agree. I agree for me. The number one right now, right here today, is Tyson Fury because no one's beat Tyson Fury. You've got to be the man to beat the man. Had he stayed retired, then Anthony Joshua's the number one. But he's not retired, he's back. Not only back, he's just beat Wilder, in my opinion. So the, the lineal champ is back, but I'm hardcore. <laughs> I think for, for the normal layman on the street, he needs a trinket around his waist. He needs something to go, here's the world champion right now. Yeah. Saying here's the lineal world champion, especially when Eddie's fucking pissing all over those kind of comments, isn't going to carry him too far enough. Mm. ESPN needs to get a belt around his waist, and that's the problem, because... All the belts are held by Wilder and Fury, mm. uh, Wilder and Joshua. Um, the heavyweight scene, um, the WBC heavyweight scene, uh, just gets murkier and murkier and murkier. This week, they've obviously called for Brazil versus Wilder uh, as a mandatory situation. Brazil is currently number four with the WBC. Jeez. He's the mandatory challenger. Dillian White's the number one. Then you've obviously got Tyson Fury and uh, Luis Ortiz. They phoned you, have you? Solomon phoned me, yeah. He phoned me and said, you want to fight with Wilder? You're you're (laughs) You're mandatory challenger. 274 in the world. I said, sorry, after me, Quince, I'm no longer a heavyweight. I'm now down to light heavy. So (laughs) bring me back when Kovalev's available. Listen, this is a mess. And the WBC, in my opinion, have caused this themselves. I'll try and give you a little bit of history of this. If you go back all the way to 2016, Povetkin was up for this situation, wasn't it, to become a mandatory challenger, but he failed a drug test, right? Yeah. So he ends up getting popped off. Then Luis Ortiz was in that situation. He ends up getting popped off because he failed a drug test. Then, if you remember, when um, Deontay Wilder fought Bermain Stavern, Stavern mm-hmm. was actually scheduled to fight Dominic Brazil. Yeah. That was a final eliminator to become a mandatory challenger. But because Brazil, because uh, Stavern stepped up into the ranks to fight um, Deontay Wilder, um, they then Brazil then got a different opponent. I think it was Molina that he ended up fighting, and they made that a situation where the winner of that then becomes the mandatory challenger for the WBC. All right, but the month before that, so this is October 2017. In September 2017, Dillian White beat Robert Hellenius to become the WBC silver champion. Yeah, and even though they'd already said the Dominic Brazil fight will be for the mandatory challenger. They then install Dillian White after becoming the WBC Silver as the number, number one. one. Mm-hmm. Why fucking do that? Yeah. You've already told one bloke that he's going to be the mandatory challenger. At least then, put Dillian White as number two. Dillian White's number two. Dominic Brazil's our boy. Yeah, just make it clear for everybody. Make it clear for Dillian White. Make it clear for us. Make it clear for the fans. Everybody knows the situation, but you didn't. You caused the run for your own back by putting Dillian White as number one yeah. when you've already mandated the number two, which was ridiculous. Now, that number two is actually number four because the number one guy and everybody else above him, Tyson Fury and Luis Ortiz, have been beating top guys. Mm-hmm. Dominic Brazil ain't fought anybody for about two years. Nope. He ain't fought nobody. Nope. Now he's in there to become, well, attempt to become the WBC Heavyweight champion of the world. What does Dillian White do? Dillian White, like we've just been saying, he has to try and regain some power from somewhere. And what he does, because he's number two heavyweight with Matchroom, he's got to go and have a word with Bob Arum and say, right, okay. If, like you've just said, the wilder thing happens with his own and all this type of stuff's going on over there, I'll come to ESPN because you're going to need some fighters to fight Tyson Fury because you're trying to make a superstar. I'll have a knock with him. But what's Dillian's situation? Can he leave Matchroom? Because he couldn't, he couldn't stay with Eddie, could he, in Matchroom and sign with ESPN? Because Eddie's deal is with the zone. Yeah, hundred percent. So he would have to leave Matchroom. Yeah, he'd have to go. It's whether he, he was able to. Can he break his management contract? I don't know. It's a conversation for Eddie and Dillian. But once again, there's been a seismic shift in the heavyweight division, 
and yet Dillian White remains on his island, floating in the middle of the ocean somewhere, mm. not involved again. Again, we'll go back to what we said last week. April 13th, it was offered to him. He should have took it. Should have took it, man. Um, you ready for this weekend? Yes. It's oh, the f- fucking hell. It's the first proper super fight of the year. This fight is the first time my little balls have been tingling all year. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing. Every time I think about it. I thought it, you were going to say the hairs on your gooch. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I've shaved them. Every time I think about it. Veet. He puts Veet on it. He doesn't shave it. He Veets it up. Every time I think about Spence, Mikey Garcia, my balls tingle. Do they? My hands get clammy. The hairs on the back of my neck stand up. My mouth gets dry, get cotton mouth. Mm. I'm so fucking excited for it. I can't. My planner says ITV4, by the way. Oh, it's on ITV4, yeah. Yeah, my planner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just. I'll fucking I'm put that out there this week. I was like, ITV, were you going to announce this thing or what? And he yeah, still yeah. haven't announced it formally. No. It was like, come on, it's, in, it, it's in the Radio Times. <laughs> it's in the Radio Times. <laughs> it's got to be true. That's how I used to do me uh, Christmas viewing. <laughs> what films am I going to watch? The Grinch. Santa Claus, the movie, Home Alone oh, 1, 2, and yeah. 3, all that type in. of crack. There you go. If it's in the Radio Times, it's Fucking definitely right. happening, son. I'm setting my life by it. Exactly. Nothing's changed. Mate, I'm living in the 21st century. It's just on my planner when I go on to my TV. <laughs> radio Times. Who's fucking getting a Radio Times these days? Yes. But anyway. we're led to believe, even though they've not announced it and making a massive deal of it, I don't even think they realise how big the fight is, do they? They're just fucking mad. What are they doing? You've got Spence Garcia. Tell the world that you've got it. You. Come, exactly. come, stay up. Come and join us. Mate, I can't wait for it. I can't wait. It's now Monday morning and they still haven't announced anything as of yet, formally mm. ITV boxing. But as you say, it's all over the planet, everything else. I can't wait because, like... There's been big fights in the last few years, obviously, fucking AJ Klitschko and Fury Wilder and, you know, Golovkin, Triple J, Golovkin, Canelo, and we've been spoilt with big fights. But this fight is different because there's that X factor of what the fuck is going to happen. What the hell is going on? Mikey Garcia is jumping two weight divisions. He's got no right to do that. Yeah. If he was jumping one weight division, I would be comfortable with it and I'd be kind of like... I love Mikey Garcia, whoever this, you know, fucking... Well, he does own a belt at 140. He, ha- he has been at 140 before. No, I know, but he's... But he's a 135 fight. fighter. Yeah, yeah exactly, I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. So, and it, I think that's what makes it just so exciting because, you know, obviously you got two unbeaten guys. Because he's running, Someone's away, always he's running away from Lomachenko, yeah. He's running away from Lomachenko <laughs> to make this fight happen, obviously. <laughs> but I don't know whether... I don't know whether the um, Fox in the US are fucking with us. But every still I see of sit-down conversations and head-to-heads and all that, it, it looks, looks like Mikey Garcia has been reduced like, in yeah. Photoshop. 100% that's happening, man. Like they're fucking Photoshopping him smaller. I swear to God, he can't be that small. Can't be that small. But I think that's wetting my appetite even more because, listen, Why? Because I, love Errol, a- I love Errol Spence. Absolutely love Errol Spence. Think, you know, before he fought Kel Brook, we on this podcast, we said Kel Brook's in trouble here. Kel Brook's in trouble. This guy's fucking decent. And he's been waiting for an opportunity. He's young, but he's a killer. And everyone in America was like, he's going to wipe the floor with uh, Kel Brook. And they were proved right. And this, is a, this is a kid that's been giving Mayweather health in the gym, man. And I think that's why... But I think most British fight fans... We're a bit naive to that. ...woke up to the fact that, oh, yeah, yeah. shit, this kid's good. And now we're all on board with him. We've always been on the Mikey Garcia train, even though he disappeared off the face of the planet for a couple of years yeah. and then came back and was just as, in fact, even better. Yeah. With his Ma- long hair and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, mainly because he lost that shit tash. Yeah, man. <laughs> but we love him to bits. Th- these are two fighters. Do you remember when he came back and you went, Is that, that's He's, not the fucking same Mikey Garcia. Exactly. That's not the same guy. He used to be thin, wispy with a little fucking dodgy teenager's <laughs> tash. He had a skinhead. And I was like, he was wicked. But when he came back to me, I said to you, that, that's not him. No. That, that's a pure imposter, that. Yeah, he, honestly, no you, were fucking go, you were up and down box like, like nobody's <laughs> business going, that's not the same guy. They <laughs> fucked this up. Exactly. No, it yeah. is. It's the same dude. <laughs> Different Garcia, that. But listen, the, both these guys are in my fucking top eight favourite I like the way that you go precise. You've gone eight. eight. You were going to go five. Then you yeah, went yeah. ten. Then you went, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Eight. Top eight <laughs> favourite fighters. And uh, that's, 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 that's what all polls should be. Who's your top eight? Yeah. <laughs> Forget your top five or your top ten. What's your top eight? Look at me, legs are going and everything. I'm just fucking so excited because of that X Factor, because of that. What the hell is Mikey Garcia doing? All right, then. Is what have Team Garcia seen in Errol Spence that's made them go, let's get Errol Spence and not any of the other, other welterweights or you. the other light welters? If he wins, if Garcia pulls this off, yes. is he the pound for pound number one on the planet? No. No? No. How can you say that? No. 
Because right if now, if Garcia beats Spence at the weekend and becomes welterweight champion, right now I've not, you're telling me he's not the number one pound for pound on the planet, mate. Come on, look at what he's done. Look at his body work. Look at all the the, the previous weight categories that he's absolutely mopped yeah, up. A good shout. Are you telling me that he's not the number one pound for pound? Could well be. He's beating the he's beating a guy. I mean, look at the pictures. He's beating a fucking guy that's two stone and, and six six that's feet higher than him. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even fucking think of that element of this fight. He's the man. If he wins at the weekend in whatever fashion, he's the man. Yeah, but he really though he's running away from the man. <laughs> Top shite. He's running away from the man. He's running into a monster. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't just run away from a weight division that contains the pound for pound best boxer on the planet Mate. to win a world title at a different weight. Stop it. To then leap ahead. Take of the that pound Ukrainian cock out your mouth, right? It, he is the man. It. He's the man. Listen, I, I believe that you can over, you can become the pound for pound number one by. Big performances like this. I love this. But when you're running away oh, from shit. the pound for pound number one, your weight division. He's running away from a guy yeah. that's smaller than him let to just, take on an absolute monster. He's running away from him. Let me just take my team, Lomachenko, two shirt off. Man, I think you're right, actually. You're, you're fucking right. Thanks. If he beats Errol Spence, you've got one. You've done me. <laughs> you've got one. Three, three and a half years, <laughs> you've done it. End of the show. That's it. This is the last ever that's show. It. That's it. Adam's done me. He's <laughs> done me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, man. I think if he, especially if he does it in style, and you know what? This brings me on to our predictions. I think Garcia's going to win. Do I don't you? know what the fuck. Why? Because why is he fighting Errol Spence? Why is he jumping up two weight divisions to fight Errol Spence? Why is he doing it? Why Errol Spence? Why did he make this fight now? Why now? Why this? Why then? Or I just think Gar Team Garcia knows something we don't. They've seen something we haven't. <laughs> they see it. something in Errol Spence that Mikey Garcia can exploit to become a six-weight world champion. They can see it. We might not have seen it yet, but they can see it now. And I think that's what might right. catch up with Errol Spence. And I think Errol Spence might just be taking him a little bit lightly. No. I'll tell you now, mate. This is what I think will happen, right? Okay. I don't think his power will transcend to 147. Because in his last couple of fights at 140, I don't think the power was there. I mean, I know he fought Broner. He outboxed Broner. He didn't blast Broner, did he? No. And he did catch him clean. Broner didn't go anywhere, right? He outboxed him that night. If Garcia is to win this fight, it's 12 rounds, and he outboxes him. But I can't see that happening because look at the size difference. Spence ain't a mug, mate. He sets up his shots brilliantly. He's a fantastic uh, technician. I think Garcia will win the first part of this fight. I think the first six rounds, you're thinking to yourself, fucking, do it. fucking hell, man. What are we watching? This is unbelievable. Size, power, or get him down the stretch. Spence will stop him late. I'm telling you now. Stop him. Because I don't think that I don't think Mikey's power will go up to 147. If if Mike, listen, right? I'll tell you what, I'll do your deal. I won't come back and do this podcast if Mikey Garcia knocks out Spence. <laughs> Why is that doing me a favor? Well, you just going to upload it. <laughs> Don't do that to me. You just have to do a lot of sound notes and just post them onto your Twitter with your thoughts. Stephen Hawking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stephen Hawking. It. Yeah, yeah. Post the Stephen Hawking. Listen, podcast. I'm not saying that Garcia can't win it because he can. He's an out outstanding, outstanding boxer. But I think he can only win it on points. I don't think no, he can stop no. him. Yeah, you're probably right. I can't see stop get. I can't see Spence getting stopped. I really can't. But I can see Garcia winning rounds. Oh yeah. And I think if he gets ahead, he's got the boxing brain and ability to stay ahead. For me, Garcia's kind of got nothing to lose in this fight. I think you know he will be the better underdog, even though he's got an incredible record. Spence will start as favourite. Spence is in a welterweight division, surrounded by fucking other superstars. There's massive fights around there for him. And I think right now he's looking around at the Sean Porters and the fucking Terence Crawfords of this world and everything else, thinking they're my legacy. And I, I think he was surprised that Mikey Garcia has gone for him. And I think he's had to take the Mikey Garcia fight more because it's come to him going, oh, sh what? You want to, you cheeky bastard. Okay, let's do it. And I think there's more of that involved. And I don't know whether he's got the same kind of focus that Garcia has. Garcia's out there trying to define his legacy with this fight, as you said. Garcia wins this. It's fucking hard to argue that he's not the pound for pound best boxer on the planet. You're right. If Errol Spence wins this, we're not going to go, well, Could, he's, right he's better than Lomachenko. Is he's, this, he's the number one. He's pound for pound. Is this as good as 
Manny stepping up and beating Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. This is that, innit? Of course This it is. is that moment. But that's what... But again, it's, it's like... It's a fight for the ages. This when is what it is. Yeah, when you, that's why it's so exciting. That's why, <laughs> fucking, that's why I'm nuts and getting tingly talking about it. Because this fight is just monumental. Yes, it's pretty hardcore. I think most British people who call themselves boxing fans probably wouldn't know too much about both these guys. You've got to be in it to, to really Yeah, yeah, people who listen coming. to this know the score. Of course. But I think this could be... We're all just hoping it's going to be fight of the year. And if it lives up to the hype, if it lives up to the potential of both these guys, if both these guys turn up with their A game, fucking hell, this could be special. This could be absolutely special. I just think Garcia, if it's a weird move. Are you going Garcia? I'm going Garcia. <laughs> I'm, go, I'm, going, I'm going with Mikey Garcia, and I fucking don't know why. And after, you know, points. This time next week. Points. Oh, obviously, points, yeah, but. Well, not obviously. I mean, you might have a different opinion to me. You're going, no, you're going points. I, I think points. You know what? I think, listen. This is where I'm going with it. Here we go now. I'm going. Spence gets dropped early. Flash knockdown. First three or four rounds. Garcia's four or five rounds up in the bank. And then down the stretch. He's, he's hanging on. He's hanging on. But I think he does it on points. Nicks it on points. In a fucking belter. I hope so. In a belter. That's where I'm going with it. You're going with late stoppage for Spence. I'm going Mikey to be to be up, probably c- coming very very close. 10, 11, 12, Spence will stop him. Just be too big, too strong, too powerful. Yeah. Stop him down the stretch. Can I just point out as well on that card, David Benavidez is fighting Julian Love. Uh, Benavidez, obviously, he's the geezer that got done for court. He's uh, the uh, WBC champion in recess, and he's uh, back in action this weekend. Luis Neri, of course, uh, a guy that we spoke about on this show yeah. uh, a few times. Um, he's had weight problems, lost his belt on the scales, if you remember. He's back. Charles Martin's on this card as well, as his Wilder's brother. That's all on uh, Saturday night, early hours of Sunday morning, ITV4. Make sure you check that out. Friday night, by the way, uh, into Saturday morning, it's uh, Tevin Farmer versus John O'Carroll. Oh, it's St. Patrick's Day, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so Tevin Farmer, John O'Carroll uh, for the IBF Super Featherweight. Katie Taylor uh, is on there as well against Rose Valante. That's for the IBF, WBA and WBO Lightweight Women's uh, Championship. Luke Campbell's on there. Yelly Usanoff's yeah. on there as well. This is all coming from Philadelphia. Uh, so again, you've got some more Friday night boxing. You get up on your Saturday morning with your Cocoa Pops. It's there for you, baby. Is there uh, Michael Conlon on this card? Um, Isn't he fighting this weekend? He, no, he's fighting Monday morning. So that's oh, Sunday yeah. night into Monday morning. Sunday night, that's sorry, a top yeah. rank card. Yeah, card, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, listen, I like so you've got three nights. Hello. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And if you're into what we're into, bit of MMA as well, you've got UFC London. Fuck you, yeah. Nell. Christ. Wow, Stay off the can. Guinness. Stay off the Guinness. That's Tell all I'll say. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see Casey Taylor, obviously, unify some belts and do what she does. You know, she's won. I think she's won. She won belt a belt away now from being the undisputed champ. Yeah, she's outstanding, man. Um, I don't expect Rose Valanti to have any issues. Undefeated, though, her, isn't yeah. she, Rose Valanti? Yeah, it, it, you know, I just think Casey Taylor's broke the mould a little bit, hasn't she, for yeah. what female boxers can do. So, it, I, again, you want to talk about it. I think it should be three rounds. Doesn't mean I think that it's not. John can, o- can, can John O'Carroll rough up Tevin Farmer? No. Tevin Farmer just boxes his head off for 12 yeah. rounds. Easy, yeah. I think it's a. Does he stop him? I, I like John O'Carroll. I think he's a good kid. He's entertaining. You know, he's got that whole little miniature King Leonidas thing going on. I think he was lucky to get a draw in the Eliminator last time around. I agree. He was lucky to get a decision against Johnny Quigley a few years ago when he got dropped n- numerous times. I think Tevin Farmer's a genuine world champion now. I think the fight with Javonta Davis is around the corner. I, I don't think someone like John O'Carroll's got the skills to give Tevin Farmer any kind of issues here. And um, Carroll's brave. I think I think he'll get up off the floor multiple times, but stop late. I think if he hears the final bell, that's a small victory for John O'Carroll. I've got to be honest. Mm, fair point. And obviously Luke Campbell's out there doing his thing and Yellowson off in action as well. What a weekend, man! Tremendo. It's a weekend. Tremendo. How are we going to watch it all? Because we're going to be in London covering fucking UFC, like so that. we need to have our laptops we'll, on, we'll on need, full display. I'll tell you what, we'll need eyes like fucking Tevin Farmer to see it all, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll need. Fucking one eye's gone shopping, other eye's collecting change. That's what we'll need to be doing, son. <laughs> Get them multiple screens up. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to us. Absolute pleasure. You can subscribe to us via iTunes. Please do so, and you can get all Android feeds on our website. Oh, before we sign off here, just a quick... Can I, just, can I do that? And then when I finish talking, then you can chip in at the end. Sorry, I was waiting right. to say goodbye, but come. What do you want to say? I just want to say, it's literally just come through to me phone now. Anthony Agogo was at a announcer's 
retirement from boxing, which is... Has he not retired previously? He has, but he was on a comeback trail, wasn't he? He's had seven operations on yeah, his that eyes eye. are a mess, man. Mate, uh, did you see the photo, the image the other week of his... And he was literally crying blood yeah. on the tube and stuff like that. Seven operations he's had on his eyes, and um, unfortunately he's had to announce his retirement, literally... Uh, he's put a tweet out there this morning. From that the that's it. Sky well, Sport. I'm glad that man. You've got. You need your health. I you know, can't be but it's fucking about. heartbreaking. Of course it is. You know, you, you have seven operations for a reason. You you want to keep that dream alive. You know, his life was boxing, and it's what he does now after boxing. That's so sad. But um, again, a kid with so much potential, and it just hasn't happened for mm. him. So um, our social medias, by the way, are at Fight Disciples. Um, on Facebook, on Twitter, YouTube. Make sure you get on YouTube this week. There's loads of videos going up there uh, as we build up towards UFC London. And you can also get us on Instagram, at The Fight Disciples. Anything else, Nick, before I sign off the show? You sure you don't want to say anything else? No, just uh, stick with us this week. We'll have shitloads of, obviously, UFC content with UFC London coming up, which is a massive event. So you said no, and now you've got stuff to say. So you said, no, I don't have anything to say, but now I've got something to say. Okay. Yeah? 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 Plus, I've just told everybody to go to YouTube. If you weren't... (laughs) on your phone you'd have heard me say it (laughs) I was just looking at that knobhead who punched Jack Grealish Grealish. how bad was that shot listen if you've got a free shot from behind you land it don't you yeah exactly he wristed him in the neck that's what he did hopefully he gets a good eye on himself now I'm sure he will (laughs) Pete Justice someone give him a fucking good eye and he deserves it (laughs) we'll catch you next time thank you for listening if you like what you heard subscribe via iTunes